This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. The Conspiracy Show is heard from Toronto to Albuquerque, New Mexico to Yakima, Washington, and from Lubbock, Texas to Kodiak, Alaska. And this, if you're new to the program, this is a program that endlessly, tirelessly searches for, but never claims to find, the truth. It's a, a funny thing about uh, truth. Uh, to echo the American humorist Josh Billings, as scarce as truth is, the supply has always been in excess of the demand. Ain't that the truth? My name is Richard Serrett, and uh, thank you for inviting me into your house. If you'll uh, allow me to stay a while, I promise to leave you with some gripping, compelling, intriguing information. Of course, I'm not guaranteeing you'll get a good night's sleep after I leave. Uh, perhaps Christopher Morley was right. Truth like milk arrives in the dark. I've got another great show for you tonight, uh, but before we get to that, tonight marks the official launch or relaunch of the all-new and improved richardserrett.com website which is your portal to the conspiracy show here on uh, the radio. As most of you probably already know, the website was hijacked on the eve of our JFK 50th anniversary special, and I'll let you decide whether that was a coincidence or not. So if you log on to the site, again, richardserrett.com, you'll notice some substantial changes, and I hope you'll take some time to navigate around the site, and I look forward to your, your feedback. Some of the pages are not quite complete. The uh, The past show archive, for example, is not quite there yet. And the search engine that will eventually allow you to search for past guests, book titles, articles, etc., it's not quite there yet. Nevertheless, I'm, I'm very pleased and proud of richardserrett.com, and special thanks to Kevin Estee and his team at Kevin Estee Design uh, down in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, for pulling the, uh, the site together. And once you've visited richardserrett.com, don't forget to subscribe to my new weekly conspiracy show newsletter, which will be ready to launch, I hope, in a few weeks. There'll be more details to follow. It doesn't even have a name yet, so I'm looking for some suggestions. And some of you have been kind enough uh, to uh, to send me some great suggestions uh, via Twitter. 
So if you've got some suggestions, what to call the new newsletter, again, you can contact me through the website at richardserrett.com or send me a tweet at richardserrett. All right, now that we have the uh, the paperwork out of the way, let's get down to it, shall we? Uh, on tonight's episode of The Conspiracy Show, we're going to ask the musical question, is the Illuminati and Satan controlling the music industry? And I ask this question without a hint of sarcasm. For generations, parents have complained half-jokingly that the racket their children listen to and call music must be composed by Beelzebub or Satan or, or Baphomet himself. And I'm not just talking about heavy metal or rap and hip-hop. Admittedly, I'm not a fan of uh, those particular genres. But even much of what passes off uh, as, as pop music from top-grossing musical artists such as uh, Rihanna and Katy Perry, Beyonce, Christina Aguilera, it seems to be their music... And their videos seem to be riddled with what you would have to call disturbing messages and symbols. And one could easily argue they are satanic in origin. Well, my guest tonight on The Conspiracy Show has been wondering about this too for an awful long time. But he didn't stop at wondering. He went out and he did some heavy lifting and he drilled down deep and did some considerable amount of research, and the result was a mighty impressive tome entitled Illuminati and the Music Industry. Mark Dice is a media analyst and a political activist. He's the author of several books on current events, secret societies, and conspiracies, including his newest book, uh, up until tonight, that is, uh, Big Brother, The Orwellian Nightmare Come True, which is available on Amazon.com, Kindle and Nook. While much of Mark's work confirms the existence and continued operation of the Illuminati today, he's also dedicated to debunking conspiracy theories and hoaxes and separating the facts from fiction, hence the facts and fiction subtitle for several of his books. He has a bachelor's degree in communication from California State University. He lives in San Diego. And as I say, his latest book is Illuminati and the Music Industry. A great pleasure to welcome Mark Dice to the program. Hey, Mark, Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's it's fascinating to look at the power of music, the uh, ability that it has to shape people's attitudes, to shape the culture, to shape trends, people's belief systems. And if you take a look at some of the major pop stars of today in a variety of genres, it's clear that they are putting forth a, a demonic, materialistic, shallow, uh, satanic message. These Illuminati icons, these demonic dirtbags, as I call them, are, you just listen to their music, and it becomes clear. Uh, mainstream rap, of course, has been hijacked and perverted from its original roots now that it only promotes a materialistic, do-what-thou-wilt, um, money, sex and drugs, a, a very dangerous, damaging, philosophical viewpoint. But we also have many pop stars, many seemingly family-friendly pop stars that we see on all the morning shows, all the late-night talk shows. Uh, people like Kesha, Christina Aguilera, Nicki Minaj, which is a stage name, by the way, meaning Minaj a trois. Her name really means Nicki three-way, Nicki threesome, uh, whom Ellen Degenerate here in America introduced some you know, seven- and eight-year-old girls to as their number one fans. And if you just listen to the content of her music, it's clear that it is, it's brain-damaging. It's mentally enslaving. It is just absolute garbage. 
And this is what the population has been trained to think is cool, uh, to mimic. We have artists like Miley Cyrus promoting, popping Molly, the form of ecstasy, snorting cocaine, uh, just all the very worst, most destructive social behaviors. And that's considered cool. That is what the mainstream music uh, industry in, in America, and I'm sure filtering up there into Canada, um, is, is promoting. That's what they're doing. Well, Mark, the, the interesting thing is, if you were to dial this conversation back 60 years ago, we would have the same conversation. You, you, you remember the, uh, the uproar with uh, Elvis the Pelvis and, and uh, back in the, uh, the mid-1950s, and rock and roll has got to go, and it's the devil's music. What's changed? Is it, is it, has it always been thus, or, or, or is it just have they, have they, meaning the Illuminati, and we'll get into some definitions here in a moment, have they simply ramped up their game? Well, you look at some of the old-fashioned music from the 50s, 60s. I mean, it's there's some great music there. You have a lot of the, quote, oldies uh, that we hear that we many people are of any age are familiar with in movie soundtracks and in commercials. A lot more songs about just falling in love or just kind of enjoying things in life. But now we have music pumped into uh, shopping malls, at the gym, on Top 40 radio, just pumping in this pure, mind-numbing music. Maybe people in the past were talking and singing about smoking marijuana, not really that big of a deal in moderation, but you have people like Miley Virus, Miley Cyrus, uh, uh, promoting popping ecstasy, snorting cocaine, um, very dangerous, mind-altering, brain-damaging drugs. So I think it has gotten a lot worse. We have mainstream rappers like Rick Ross uh, that is portraying a coke-dealing, gun-running thug. And that's what people believe is cool. You know, I mean, at some point in time, uh, people would have looked at that and shook their head. You look at some of the songs that Elvis was singing, uh, very mild, very tame compared to Rick Ross, who I, I nicknamed Pig Ross, by the way. is just a big, fat, shamu-looking fool. Um, but he... You know, has a lot of things about selling drugs on his iPhone, and every single song is about drug dealing and strippers, just the very worst aspects of life. And that is what's mainstream. It's not that it's, that it's out there, that uh, it's a small percentage of the genre. This is what's mainstream. This is a guy that gets endorsed by Reebok, by uh, signing deals with uh, high fructose corn syrup flavored um, cavity in a can companies known as soda uh, maybe you call it pop up there in the in the north but it's it's very interesting to to see what has happened and what is considered to be cool today how do you uh, how do you respond to the argument uh, that that uh, the music industry like most forms of art is merely holding up a mirror to society and reflecting back what is out there most people are materialist uh, the, uh, you know, running around chasing, uh, you know, acquiring toys and, and uh, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week in order to pay for them. And uh, we have lost sort of touch with uh, spirituality and religion. And, and this is simply the way society is and music is simply reflecting that. It, it does reflect it, but it also encourages it. It's a double-edged sword. You know, art imitates life. Life imitates art. Uh, people deny that 
music and movies have any, quote, influence on society, but that's a blatant lie. I mean, we look at musicians that start social trends, social awareness. We have bands that get together to raise awareness for certain disasters. We have anti-war bands that spread a message raising awareness about certain issues. We have modern-day bands, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, uh, promoting homosexual uh, rights. And so we have music. It is a reflection in some stance, but it also is a a tool to, to condition and to encourage and to guide people's behaviors. And in your contention is uh, in the sort of the, the thrust of your book, the Illuminati and the music industry, is that this is being programmed, this message uh, being programmed from the top down. Now, we're coming up on a break, but let's at least get into this uh, aspect of the conversation, and, and, and we need a definition. The, the, the term Illuminati uh, means many things to many people, uh, but, but what do you mean by uh, the Illuminati? The Illuminati, it's essentially a modern-day mafia. It is the pinnacle of power of various intersecting organizations that have influence over the media, the banking industry, uh, the political sphere, uh, in some cases religion. And so the pinnacles of power merge at the very top, and it's an extension of the ancient priest class uh, from Egypt and, and beyond when the priest and his inner circle were considered to be uh, gods because of their knowledge that they had, and they kept the masses ignorant and unaware of the, the real history and their humanity and of science, technology, uh, the agriculture. And so through the centuries, this Illuminati mafia has morphed from the inner circle secretive priest class or the, uh, the Pharisees into a more um, modern-day group that pulls the strings in politics, that start the wars, that own the media, that classically condition and, and control the information that the masses get. Uh, they own the banks that issue the currency uh, that then, through their money manipulating, essentially create money out of nothing and then lend it out at interest. And it's an incredible scam. Uh, but because they have become the ones that control that, they have such an immense amount of power. So well, that's, a, that's a good place to start. I think you've defined Illuminati quite nicely. Let's uh, take a time out, come back, and we'll find out what the Illuminati's ultimate goals are and how the Illuminati is using mainstream musicians to further their aims. Mark Dice, my guest, the author of Illuminati and the Music Industry, right here in The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Mark Dice is a media analyst, political activist, author. His uh, latest is entitled Illuminati and the Music Industry. Uh, and we are talking about uh, just that, the, the Illuminati, the Satan-worshipping mafia, using mainstream musicians to further their aims. So that begs the obvious question, what are the Illuminati's uh, ultimate goals, Mark? Well, if you want to get right down to the very, very last few rungs in the Illuminati rabbit hole, it's they're paving the path for the arrival of the Antichrist, and they're setting the stage so that Satan will be seen as cool, uh, as his priest, his messiah, his counterfeit Christ, when he comes onto the scene in the next perhaps few decades, will be seen and worshipped by the masses as the messiah of the world. And through these musicians, 
they're paving the path so that they're conditioning everybody to believe and think that Satanism is cool, Satanism is freeing, Christianity is bad, Jesus is bad, anybody that has uh, any sort of traditional old-fashioned, quote-unquote, old-fashioned value systems, uh, anybody that believes in the Constitution, uh, a Bill of Rights here in America, freedom of speech, is seen as bad, as evil. And so the all-seeing eye is one of the most popular symbols of the Illuminati, and that's the symbol of their power. That's the symbol of the Big Brother control grid uh, that people are going to see as watching over everybody to, quote, keep everybody safe from these evil Christian terrorists that uh, uh, don't like this tyrannical system that are speaking out against these demonic dirtbags. Um, that's their ultimate goal. Their short-term goal is to gain and maintain positions of power. That's what mafias do. They want to take the shortcuts. They break the rule. They break the golden rule of life uh, and engage in a criminal enterprise because if they can operate without getting caught, it's a very lucrative. It's a very um, easily easy way to make money and to make a lot of money. And they love and get off on the power. Uh, you know, Henry Kissinger, a notorious war criminal, uh, said that power was the greatest aphrodisiac. And to an extent, he's right. Uh, money leads to power, and that's what they want: the power, the control. And that's why we have these Bilderberg groups, uh, Council on Foreign Relations, build the Bohemian Grove, these Illuminati uh, organizations that have the world's most powerful men in them. And this is why the top-level CEOs match the same psychological profile of a psychopath. They have these characteristics that drive them for their uh, positions of power that is really a psychosis uh, but it it is fueled them to the positions that they're in. Yeah, I, I hear you with uh, with that. I mean, uh, one of the things that just as a, a slight sidebar here is I've, I've I was wondering out loud actually recently, given all that's going on in the world, uh, the the geopolitical uh, turbulence and and the uh, political subterfuge and. Uh, the revelations about what's happening with the NSA and some of the things that you've just highlighted and, and, and uh, you know, wars in Afghanistan and, and saddle ra- uh, uh, saber-rattling uh, over Iran and Syria and so forth. And I'm thinking to myself, where are the protest songs? There, there's none of that out there. Where are the new Bob Dylans? Uh, it's just this, you know, get as much as you can. You know, if it, if it feels right, do it. Uh, that's all we're hearing. Yeah, they've taken control over the media. It's such a, a, a powerful tool. And, I mean, we know that there's you know, five companies that control virtually all of the information that people see on the major networks uh, in, in America. Canada, probably not quite to the same extent, but, but still very well controlled. And so those kinds of songs are not going to get promoted. Those kinds of songs... Uh, you know, many you know this. Many many artists don't even write their own songs a- anymore. They just buy them from writers and then sing them. These artists are just actors in a sense, and that's not what they want on the mainstream. They want to have somebody like Miley Cyrus, uh, you know, teaching your little you know preteen children to uh, you know do stripper moves and pop ecstasy and snort cocaine and uh, quote sleep with whoever we want to, which is one of the lines in one of her favorite songs. Her producer, by the way, is a man named Terry Richardson, who is uh, 
uh, just an absolute demonic dirtbag. Be very careful if you look up Terry Richardson's photos. He's a pornographer, by the way, and he's done some very um, just absolutely horrific, uh, satanic, um, i got to be careful how I say this, pictures that depict what some people may um, think uh, appears to be bestiality. And this is who is, uh, you know, promoting. Uh, he, he shot uh, Rihanna's one of Rihanna's new videos. He's uh, friends with the stars. He has done a photo shoot with President Barack Obama. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know who this fellow is. So I mean, I have to be careful. I, uh, you know, we, when we throw around terms like pornographer and these sorts of things, I don't know. I can't, I can't vouch for for what you're saying because I've never really looked into this uh, gentleman's work. Or Might not I, want gen- to. <laughs> okay. All right. Forewarned, forearmed. Let, uh, let's, let me see if I can get you to walk us through the process. How, how they're able to, and the, again, they, the Illuminati, how they're able to grab hold of these stars, promote them. I mean, the, I guess it's, it's, it has to do with the concentration of ownership. But in order to, uh, to create a star... Uh, you know, one one often wonders. Well, how, why is this person famous, and then this person who's languishing, uh, you know, playing songs in the subway, very talented? They don't, you know, they don't get to the top. How does that happen? How does the Illuminati uh, uh, create these these messengers uh, and and these stars? Well, you got to understand the studios are are the ones that own these stars. So. These people are essentially just applying for a job with the studio. And Kesha, for example, who has posted satanic upside-down pentagrams on her Facebook page to her tens of millions of fans. She's collected uh, baby teeth, over a thousand of them from her fans, to turn into clothes that she then wears, wears human, uh, human teeth, drinks out of uh, a fake heart, uh, you know, drinking, guzzling uh, what looks to be like animal blood as she's uh, doing what looks to be a satanic ritual on stage. She came out after her song, Die Young, was pulled from the radio after the uh, Sandy Hook school shooting. She said that she was, quote, forced to do that song. And these, these people are just actors. The studios are the ones that have the access to the equipment, that have access to the airwaves. And so these people will willingly become servants of this system. You, know, you see somebody like Rihanna, who started off very nice and sweet and innocent, and then has a new album uh, a few years of the, after Limelight started fading, Good Girl Gone Bad. It changes her image. It's, she has no real control over this. This is what the studio does. They sign contracts that say, you're going to give us X amount of albums over the next you know, five years. So they're under a contract to work for these studios to do what these studios tell them to do. They're, it's no different than an actor working in a television show. Uh, the actor has very little leeway about what their character does. It's the studio and the network that tells them what they have to do. And I mean, if you, if you look at the media ownership, uh, a famous uh, media critic, uh, Ben Bagdikian, wrote in his book, The New Media Monopoly, that, quote, the possibilities for mutual promotion on all venues of various medias is the, big, the basic reason that the big five talking about the big five networks, uh, News Corp, Time Warner, Disney, Viacom, and, and Bertelsmann Media Group, 
have become major owners of all kinds of media. He goes on to say that, for example, actors and actresses in a conglomerate's wholly owned movie studio appear on the same company's television and cable networks. Photographs of the newly minted celebrities can dominate the covers of the firm's wholly owned magazines. And those celebrities can be interviewed on the firm's wholly owned radio and television talk shows. And he finishes this interesting statement by saying that the conglomerate can commission an author from its wholly owned book publishing firm to write a biography or a purported autobiography of the new star, which in turn is promoted on the firm's other media. Now, do some of these uh, young stars, uh, do they even know what they're doing? Do they, do they think what they're doing is just you know, trendy, but meanwhile, you know, every Sunday they're in church, they're leading good Christian lives or whatever their religion may, may be. Or are they, are they programmed? Are they mind-controlled? Are, uh, are they forced to, 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 to worship Satan? Uh, give me a sense of, of you know, how, uh, how deep they're into this. I think they're blinded by extreme wealth and fame, which can be very intoxicating for these people. I mean, the amount of money that these stars generate and are paid is inconceivable to your average person who works a job or tries to work a series of jobs over 40 years, trying to save enough money to maybe retire in their late 60s or 70s. And you're talking about people that are making tens of millions of dollars a year. Your average person and even myself looking at this, can't really fathom what it's like to have 20 million, 30, 40, 50 million dollars in assets or in cash. The, it's intoxicating. And so these people are willing servants of the system. And I don't think they really care. I don't think they care less about the consequences because they're cashing in and making it's just an astronomical amount of money. Mark Dice is with us, the author of Illuminati and the Music Industry. Uh, let's talk about some of the symbols. I mean, some of it, uh, you know, the message is coming through in the music, but if you actually stop and watch some of the videos, one of the things I've noticed about uh, a lot of videos, music videos, when I do happen to catch a glimpse of them, and I, I'm not a, a consumer of music videos these days, but when I, when I pass by them, I see a lot of videos containing people standing in the rain. Rain. It's constantly raining in these music videos. And then it's a, short time while, uh, a short time later, you'll see snakes popping up in these videos. Now, obviously, you know, there's a, a direct correlation between the snake as a symbol and the devil or Satan. Uh, shed some light on uh, on uh, what, what some of these symbols are, what, what what we can look for, and if you can tell me what what all the rain is about in these videos, I'd like to know that too. Well, the rain sort of symbolizes their uh, it, it symbolizes their Luciferian baptism uh, into their birth of their new self. Uh, it, Beyonce, who was seemingly innocent and nice and sweet before she married and hooked up with Jay Z. Uh, in her music video, Crazy in Love, Jay-Z literally kills her. He lights a car on fire and blows it up with Beyonce inside, and she dies. And then out pops a new, born-again Beyonce with her alter ego, Sasha Fierce, a more demonic and, and edgy character. Uh, we're seeing a lot of stars latching on to Illuminati symbolism, the all-seeing eye, some of these lower-level stars like Angel Hayes, um, 
Christina Aguilera, very, very popular, very famous, is seen using Illuminati symbolism and all seeing eye dancing on top of a pyramid. Uh, her and her dancers literally just desecrating a church, having an orgy inside of a church. It's, it's clearly depicted as a church with stained glass windows. You're seeing a lot of symbol, uh, symbols like uh, the, the Baphomet symbol that the Knights Templar worshipped uh, is being used by some of these people. Rick Ross, this this drug dealing uh, dirtbag, he's rapping on a throne that contains a Baphomet symbol. We have uh, Drake using an owl symbol, which inherently is is a, is a neutral symbol, but it's depicting wisdom, and these people pervert what was good. That's why they use the sun symbol. The sun represents power, brilliance, uh, and so they use that to symbolize their power as they have hijacked and what is good and twisted it and perverted it around. They're likening themselves to gods. Yes, that's essentially what it is. Some stars go so far as to use satanic pentagrams, like Kesha. Uh, Little Wayne is seen wearing devil horns and keeps women locked up in cages, bathing in blood in one of his music videos. And you can see my analysis of this if you just go to my YouTube channel, Mark Dice, M-A-R-K-D-I-C-E, and see the playlists where I break these things down. Uh, Rihanna is dancing on the floor in a, a, a circle that's painted on the ground with two intersecting triangles while she's wearing devil horns. It's become very blatant because these symbols represent power. These symbols represent uh, this satanic philosophy, this ancient mystery of becoming your own god, and that is what they're teaching. That's what they're preaching. Azealia Banks is another one. Uh, these rappers that are trying to get noticed by the mainstream system to then be promoted into the uh, mainstream culture. There's a picture on online, uh, and I don't can't remember if this is featured in your book as well. I think it is, but it's Beyonce uh, on a televised performance, and she's wearing a ring. There's a close-up of the ring. And it is is Baphomet. Now, uh, we'll take a time out. The music's uh, percolating up here. We'll, we'll come back. I want to f- find out a little bit more about Baphomet and why Beyonce is wearing this ring. And then there's a, uh, a very common sort of gesture with, with musicians today and celebrities. Uh, uh, it's a term called throwing the diamond. I want to find out what that means as well. Mark Dice, Illuminati and the music industry, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. We're back with Mark Dice. here. He's talking about the Illuminati's influence in the music industry and how some of today's hottest stars use esoteric symbols and song lyrics to push the secret society's agenda. And uh, uh, Mark Dice's website and his book, Illuminati in the Music Industry, I've uh, hooked up to them, uh, their website, uh, or his website, rather, and information on the book uh, at richardserrett.com. So, Mark, we, um, I wanted to ask you, we were talking about some of the symbols uh, and I wanted to ask you about this ring. Uh, there's a close-up of Beyonce, a television performance, and she's wearing this this ring, which is uh, connected, I guess, with, with Satan worship. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Baphomet is the figurine that the Knights Templar were said to have worshipped that represented the, the divine astral light, or just it represented their demonic god. Uh, and... Some people say that the Catholic Church made up the Baphomet worship as an excuse to confiscate their wealth. They were famously rounded up in the 1300s on supposedly Friday the 13th, which is one of the reasons why some people believe that that day is unlucky. But what's interesting is the Church of Satan, this just absolute kind of 
group of losers that was founded in the 1960s by Anton LaVey. In his book, he's the author of the Satanic Bible, he admits that the, or he believes that the Knights Templar did, in fact, worship uh, Baphomet, and that it was not a hoax or a made-up excuse to confiscate their wealth and imprison them by the Catholic Church. Uh, we have another uh, very popular uh, occultist, Eliphaz Levi, who wrote in his book, Transcendental Magic, uh, that uh, he says, quote, did the Templars really adore Baphomet? Uh, was that the actual secret and the potent association which imperiled the church and state? Judge nothing lightly. He says, they are guilty of a great crime. They have exposed to profane eyes the sanctuary of antique initiation. Uh, so he, he just goes on to say that, yes, in our profane conviction, the Grand Masters of the Order of the Templars worshipped the Baphomet. And we also have a 33rd degree Freemason who was awarded a uh, prestigious, considered one of the greatest philosophers of Freemasonry by the uh, Scottish Rite. And this is Manly P. Hall, and in his book, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, he again says that Baphomet was uh, worshipped by the Knights Templar. And so it's essentially a satanic symbol that represents power and their god. Uh, and so that's why we're seeing a lot of these stars use this Baphomet symbol. Uh, and again, it's it started off sort of a secret. They use it because it represents power, it's mysterious, but it also goes hand-in-hand hand with the unfolding of Bible prophecy, where the vast majority of people are going to be tricked and see Satan as good. And so their favorite celebrity, you know, the modern-day gods and goddesses, are the ones that are teaching the masses uh, what these symbols are, or, or really a perverted sense of it, conditioning them to think that these symbols are cool, to think that they're good, to think that anybody who disagrees with that, they're the bad ones, they're the evil ones, they're the ones that need to be rounded up and put into a FEMA camp and killed. Many of us are aware of the uh, the devil uh, horn sign that uh, you know we've we've seen from time to time, um, major political leaders, presidents, uh, waving the devil horn. Uh, caught, you know, in a, in a single fo photographic frame. Uh, what I'm seeing a lot of today is this thing. It's called throwing up the diamond, uh, where uh, people like, you know, Kobe Bryant or Ken Kanye West or uh, rapper, uh, I think his name is King James, even the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, who I love. I love her music. But uh, these people have all been captured doing something called throwing up the diamond with their two hands. Explain that. What is throwing up the diamond? Yeah, Jay-Z started this symbol, and they say it's a diamond. It looks like a pyramid, uh, and they often hold it up over one eye, symbolizing a triangle with an eye in the middle, which is the really the most popular Illuminati symbol. And Jay-Z, you know, worth a half a billion dollars, reportedly, you know, $450 million this guy is worth. Uh, he started a, ro a record label, named it after the Rockefeller family, uh, the Rockefeller is one of the most notorious Illuminati banking families with their tentacles just wrapped around MKUltra, CIA mind-controlling. They funded the eugenics program. They gave the land to the United Nations uh, building in New York. So he is sort of paying homage to the Illuminati, and because these 
monkey see, monkey do. Uh, people mimic this because it's considered to be cool. The Illuminati is cool. It represents power. It's same reason why a lot of people like, and myself used to when I was younger, used to like these mafia films, Goodfellas, Casino, because that power is very appealing. And so what's more powerful than the Italian mafia? The Illuminati mafia. And that is the ultimate pinnacle of power. And so that's why you see so many people People like to be gangsters. They like to watch those gangster movies. They dress up as gangsters for Halloween. And so now we're seeing a new elevation of this mafia mentality, and that is the Illuminati mafia. Jay-Z also uh, campaigned for Obama, was very uh, very critical in getting out the vote. Literally was Obama's hype man on stage introducing Obama. Um... He has a, a gold-covered human skull that was given to him by his protege, Kanye West, who uh, has knocked up uh, the, the Antichrist of entertainment, Kim Kardashian, who you know just does bathes in blood, bathes in human blood, trying to maintain her youth. Kind of like Elizabeth Bathory, this woman who killed a bunch of virgins. Um, I forget what year this was, but she's one of the most notorious serial killers in history thought that by bathing in virgin blood she would maintain her youth and so we have you know celebrities doing a more modern tamed version of that obviously they can't um, kill a bunch of people and bathe in their blood but they're just bathing in human blood anyway just to to maintain their youth who are the who are the artists that are speaking up about this because not everyone not every musician obviously uh is uh you know, going along with this. So are there musicians, in fact, that, are, that have spoken out against this kind of thing? Yes. Um, not very many of them, but some of them have. We have uh, a, a very famous rock band, Korn. Their, their singer, Jonathan Davis, he wrote a song called Illuminati and was called Obama, an Illuminati puppet, in an interview with Billboard magazine. Uh, we have... Uh, smaller, lesser-known artists. Uh, MC Hammer, very popular in the 1980s. Some some of the audience may not know who he is, but he did a music video and a song calling out Jay-Z, calling him a devil worshiper. At the very end of the music video, he baptizes the uh, character who was playing Jay-Z as he chased him around. But he did a whole song and video calling him a, 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 literally a Satanist and calling him out for uh, the same things that I'm reporting on. Uh, smaller artists, lesser-known, Immortal Technique, uh, Paris. Uh, we have uh, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, a very popular uh, heavy metal band. The, the band on the surface you know, may sound a little satanic mega death, but it's it's a satire and it's a warning. And their music, if you really listen to it, is uh, warning about these very uh, kinds of things. All right, um, I've got to step in here, Mark. Take a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to talk about the Illuminati in the music industry with political activist, media analyst, author Mark Dice, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back, Mark Dice. Stays with us. Illuminati in the music industry, and you were talking about uh, some of the the artists that have uh, spoken out about uh, what they what they see as essentially Satan worship and promoting Satan worship. Uh, and I'm wondering, as a result of 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 your work and your your book, whether uh, you found any big names in the industry that now have become fans of yours because of uh, because of this. 
You know, I have been in communication with Jonathan Davis, the singer of Corn. I noticed that he was following me on Twitter when I went to um, tweet him some information, and uh, I, he was. We've communicated through uh, private message on Twitter. Another famous rapper. Uh, Big Boy, he's from Outcast. He hasn't been too vocal about it, uh, but they're a multi-Grammy award-winning, or, or, you know, worldwide rap duo. Um, he has, I noticed, followed me on Twitter, and these aren't auto follows. I, I've never followed any of these people. Uh, I think I might follow them now, but they they had followed me first. I'd seen them retweet some of my stuff. Um, a couple other people probably don't want to be mentioned, but. Um, those guys have, uh, you know, kind of covertly um, found my work somehow, I think, because I've been so vocal about it. Uh, I know that um, uh, maybe there's a couple others I can't really think of off the top of my head, but I was pretty surprised. You know, I mean, I, I grew up uh, listening to some of their music, so it was very validating to see that my work had reached, uh, you know, them, that they had, uh, you know, apparently become fans of mine, too, which is very humbling. What's uh, this uh, in your book about uh, the Walmart Illuminati kidnapping? You know, because these artists are promoting the Illuminati as cool, uh, as as opposed to the, the the mafia that starts the wars and is ruining the banking industry and plunging this you know, this world into uh, financial ruin, we're seeing a rash of just mentally ill people committing crimes, attempted murder, kidnappings. Uh, saying that it's for the Illuminati. So just uh, a few months ago, here in America, a 37-year-old man was killed by police inside of a Walmart because he snatched a two-year-old infant infant from uh, uh, her mother's shopping cart and held a knife to her neck and said that he was going to sacrifice her for the Illuminati. And so we have uh, another rapper, uh, an aspiring rapper, last year, a 27-year-old guy in, uh, I think it was Virginia, shot his friend as a, quote, Illuminati sacrifice because he thought that it was going to get the the, uh, attention of the Illuminati, and they were going to reward him with a rap contract. And then, I mean, it just goes on and on. We have a a fifth grader uh, in California a couple months ago that stood up in the middle of class and said that she's with the Illuminati and that she wants to sell her soul to Satan and kill the cl- her fellow classmates and then picked up a scissors and tried to stab somebody. And so we're seeing this, this rash of mentally ill people that are doing attempted murders thinking that it's going to... Satan's going to bless them for it. It's incredible. You uh, you you make some interesting connections in Illuminati in the mu- music industry between Operation Mockingbird, the CIA, the media. Let's start with the CIA. What do they What do they have to do with this? You know, on a more hard news level, we're talking mainly about entertainment news, but. When we're talking about media control, when we say, quote, they control the media, it's largely the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, and this is admitted and has been confirmed. Back in 1975, here in the States, there was a Senate Select Committee called the Church Committee, headed up by Senator Frank Church, that was investigating the CIA's role in influencing mainstream media, uh, broadcast, newspaper, uh, newspapers, magazines, etc., and so they had a whole congressional hearing, and their report concluded that 
and I'm reading right from the the official published report, which came out in 1976 after the hearings were completed, where the report concluded that, quote, the CIA currently maintains a network of several hundred individuals around the world who provide intelligence for the CIA and at times influence opinion through the use of covert propaganda. These individuals provide the CIA with direct access to a large number of newspapers and periodical periodicals, scores of press services and news agencies, radio, television stations, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets. Um, Sig Mickelson, the former president of CBS, was later asked if he believed that the CIA still maintained relationships with reporters, and he said, quote, yeah, I would probably think that they do. For a reporter, it would probably continue today. But because of the revelations of the period of the 1970s, it seems to me that a reporter has to be a lot more circumspect when doing it now, or he runs the risk of at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public. I think that you've got to be much more careful about it. And there's another quote I want to read from the report. Um, Thomas Braden, who worked for the CIA, he was a director of Operation Mockingbird. It's, re- it's called Mockingbird because a mockingbird repeats what, it's, what it hears. And so these talking heads, these reporters, would just simply repeat what they were told as if it were news. And they also acted as gatekeepers to prevent certain stories from going out. And they were spe- this program was – they were using – it spent it cost a billion dollars a year in today's dollars that they were paying under the table and so this guy thomas braden who headed up this program admitted that he said quote um say that this man could use fifty thousand dollars he was talking about um let's say a labor leader uh suppose that uh, the handler thought this man could use fifty thousand dollars he's working well and doing a good job uh he meaning the cia handler could hand it to him and never have to account to anybody. I'm reading here right from the report, uh, from his testimony. There was simply no limit to the money that it could spend, no limit to the people it could hire, no limit to the activities it could decide were necessary to conduct the war, the secret war. It was multinational. Another interesting uh, connection that you make. We go back to the early 1960s, uh, and, and back then there was um, a study on children's behavior. Uh, it was called the Bobo doll experiment. Now, what, pray tell, does the Illuminati and the music industry have to do with the Bobo doll experiment? This is to show how easily children's behavior is influenced, how they mimic behaviors that they see, when if they hadn't witnessed that behavior, the idea would never have been planted in their mind. So for people that deny and really lie that mainstream media, that the music, that these musicians don't influence people to you know, do drugs, to act sexually promiscuous, to behave in a destructive, socially disastrous manner, to uh, encourage these very kinds of behaviors that they are portraying in the media. This Bobo doll experiment, a Bobo doll is this inflatable doll with a weight on the bottom. Many people have probably had one as a child or are familiar with it, sort of, sort of like a punching bag. You know, you punch the doll and it, it falls to the ground, and because it's weighted, it looks like a bowling pin, and it rises back up and you punch it again. It's a, it's a children's toy. And so this experiment uh, showed that they put a Bobo doll in a room with a bunch of kids and with a bunch of other toys. And 
nobody was playing with the doll. Nobody knew what to do. But as soon as an experimenter went and started punching the doll and, and, and kicking the doll, as soon as he left the room, then guess what the kids did? They mimicked his behavior. They followed in suit when before they would have never even done that. And so it just goes to show it's a classic experiment demonstrating the various aspects of what's called social learning theory or observational learning, clearly showing that children imitate behavior that they witness. Where is this all going, Mark, uh, you know, in the final minutes here? I mean, do you, do you see some sort of a, a backlash uh, and maybe a return to, uh, you know, more innocent times? Or, or is this simply, an, uh, you know, a signpost on the way to the end times? I'm not sure. It, it could go either way. We're at a critical juncture. Uh, Rome is burning. America is collapsing financially, uh, socially. The families have been destroyed. The moral compass is gone. People's minds have become mush. They don't even know basic knowledge. If you checked out any of my petition videos, you could see that simply by asking people to support the president, I can get them to sign petitions to murder people, to repeal our Bill of Rights, uh, to do door-to-door gun confiscations, imprison legal gun owners, to do any, anything virtually I ask them to do. So it could go either way. Uh, the fact that my fan base has grown so huge over the last year, year and a half, shows that there's a lot of people out there that are tired of this, that uh, agree with my stance, that are trying to preserve what's left of the fabric of this society before we just become a collapsed Roman Empire. So it's really up to us, and we're at a critical juncture. And if people don't stand up and speak out, we're going to collapse into this Hollywood vortex. It's not just America. It's going to spread all over the world. It's perhaps starting here in America, or it's the, we're the farthest along, but it's going to spread from country to country. People are just worshiping their smartphones. They can't even communicate. They don't know basic knowledge. They have no common sense. They're worshiping these idols like, like Miley Cyrus, these just absolute dirtbags, Kanye West, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne. It's, it's very sad, but the fact that so many people are waking up, it is a good sign. Got to ask you, what's on your iPhone these days? And, and did you have to? Did you go back through your record collection after you started to do a lot of this research and start? You know, well, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Toss that album. Yeah, I got rid of a lot of DVDs. I'm not a big music consumer. You know, I would uh, I listen to some classic rock, but uh, you know, I would rather listen to uh, instrumentals or classical music, things without lyrics, movie soundtracks, things that don't have lyrics to guide your mind. Uh, And as far as movies, I mean, I don't really consume most mainstream media content. It's not all bad. It's just, you know, vast majority of it is garbage. I mean, I remember, you know, when I threw away my copy of Natural Born Killers that I had when I was a teenager, just, just getting rid of it, getting rid of that. That's what I urge people to do. We're still early in this new year. Just delete that demonic media. Just get rid of it. Stop listening to it. Uh, Start listening to talk radio. Start listening to empowering music, perhaps some gospel tracks. Talk radio in your car on your way to work. Just stop listening to Stop pumping this garbage into your mind, and it will clear your mind. It will free you from becoming a mentally enslaved moron, as I call the majority of these uh, consumers. Uh, just to spend uh, 30 seconds or so telling us about your, your, your YouTube channel and if we want to access uh, some of the, uh, the videos that you've put up there, how do we do that? You go to youtube.com slash markdice, M-A-R-K-D-I-C-E, and subscribe to the channel. And there's playlists where I 
break down and give analysis and show the very images, show clips from these popular music videos from these mainstream artists. I do Man on the Street Monday videos where I uh, just can get to go out and interact with the general public here in America to just show how uh, brain damaged they have become, just how far gone their minds have uh, become. You can get my books on, uh, it's not in stored on in stores because I'm just too controversial, I guess, to have a big uh, publisher behind me. So you can get the book in paperback or any of them on Amazon.com or Amazon.ca up there in Canada or uh, your e-reader device, Kindle Nook, uh, iBooks. Um, some of them are on Google Play as well. Um, check out the YouTube channel. and um, it's, The books are good because it's hard, as you may know, doing a talk show to kind of articulate all this information off the top of your head. And so when I write a book, you don't just write it. You write it. You rewrite it. You go over it with a fine-tooth comb five, six, seven, eight, ten times in rewrite and add pieces and, and source things. And so that's why if, if this is making any sense to you, I just urge people to go out and get the book, Illuminati in the Music Industry. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a real, real eye-opener, and you're going to see what what these idols do, and it's a more serious look at the music industry, music studies, media studies, the effects of media, how it shapes our culture, how it affects people's behaviors, attitudes, and tastes. All right, Mark, you've done a quite, uh, quite a nice job, I think, summarizing the content. Illuminati in the music industry. Mark Dice, thanks so much for this. Thank you, Richard, and uh, keep up the good work over there, up there in Canada. Appreciate it. The website, richardserrett.com, back online. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. As always, follow the truth. Thank you for your ears. My name is Richard Serrett. Tim, Happy New Year. My producer, Tim Spreen, who celebrated New Year's with his girlfriend, snowed in in a cabin drinking sake. Well done, Tim. Nice job. Great way to usher in 2014. If you're new to the program and wondering what the conspiracy show is all about, I think Arthur Conan Doyle summed what uh, this program is about. Quietly, when he said, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. There you go. Thank you, Arthur Conan Doyle. That's what the show is about. Last week uh, on the program, I was speaking with John Rappaport of No More Fake News. And we were talking about the takeover of the Washington Post by Amazon.com founder and CEO Jeff Bezos. And while it's not unusual to see one enormous media company swallow another one, the purchase of the Post by Bezos was disturbing because of a rather cozy relationship between Bezos, Amazon, and the CIA. Because Amazon has just signed a $600 million contract with the CIA to construct Amazon's version of the cloud which will be used by the CIA. Now, as if to somehow reassure those of us who are uncomfortable with a relationship with the CIA, the new owners of the Post has uh, published an article, a sort of year in review of 2013, and the title is rather interesting. 2013, the year that proved your paranoid friends right. And you can find the article posted on the homepage at the new and improved richardserrett.com which is back, on, back online after a six-week uh, six hiatus. Uh, but back to the Post article. 2013, the year that proved your paranoid friend right. Let me just crib from this fascinating article. Most people involved in the tech scene have at least one friend who has been warning everyone they know about protecting their digital trail for years and have watched that friend get accused of being a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist. But 2013 is the year that proved your paranoid friend right. It's now a matter of public record that the NSA 
collects and stores the calling records of domestic phone calls, tracks the location of millions of mobile devices worldwide, infiltrates the data links between the data centers of tech companies used by millions of Americans, piggybacks onto commercial tracking mechanisms collected potentially sensitive online uh, metadata for years and actively work to undermine the privacy and security measures that underpin the Internet. And, consider, and considering the purported size of the Snowden cash, cash, that could be the tip of the metaphorical iceberg. And while the NSA story undoubtedly gives the paranoid plenty of reasons to say I told you so, a slew of other reports from this year gave them even more reasons to retreat into the wilderness and start subsistence farming. For instance, the ACLU released a cache of documents showing that police around the country are collecting license plate scanner information that could be used to track physical locations of many Americans without consistent retention policies. And speaking of technology with obviously exploitable surveillance capabilities, someone might be watching you through your laptop's webcam without even activating the warning light. Reports say the FBI has had this capability for several years, and researchers at John Hopkins were unable, or so, sorry, researchers at John Hopkins were able to demonstrate how to covertly spy via webcams in MacBooks. And to top it all off, there there was suspicions, or there was suspicious aerial activity going on at Area 51. Although no admissions of alien activity have emerged, much to John Podesta's dismay, recently dis- released documents reveal the CIA tested its first drones at the Nevada military base. None of this means we should give up on our modern technology or that we now live in a surveillance state dystopia. But it might just mean that we live in a world where things that were once considered far-fetched science fiction fantasy are increasingly being revealed as reality. And that you owe your paranoid friend a beer. That was 2013. Indeed, a tumultuous, challenging year, and yes, a year when those of us who follow deep politics, political subterfuge, and yes, conspiracies, can all give ourselves a collective pat on the back, because a lot of our worst suspicions were confirmed. But what's in store for 2014? More of the same? Will we witness a continuation of the seemingly inexorable march towards totalitarianism and a further withering away of our civil rights? Where is the global economy headed? Are we in the midst of a mild recovery, as the mainstream media insists? Or will the massive underlying structural problems, some say exist within the global monetary and banking systems, finally melt down, leading us headlong into a worldwide depression? Undoubtedly, there will be challenges, but 2014 could also see the emergence of some incredible technological innovations in the fields of medicine, energy, that could be real paradigm busters. And what about earth changes? Could 2014 be the year that the supervolcano beneath Yosemite National Park finally blows? Are the major ice and snowstorms and power outages we've just endured a dress rehearsal for something much larger? If you're asking yourself any of these questions, you've come to the right place. Because joining me on the line, a good friend of the program, he's best known as a trans clairvoyant, he's a spiritual healer, a teacher, a published author who demonstrates many abilities studied by noetic sciences, including clairvoyance, telepathy, energy healing, remote viewing, prediction, and prophecy. Douglas James Cottrell is one of a select few able to demonstrate all of these abilities and even fewer who are considered a reliable information source. He teaches people the world over about spiritual development through the practice of meditation and the application of spiritual principles in daily life. His deep trance meditation style is often compared to that of Edgar Cayce, one of the most documented intuitive people of the 20th century. 
He's been variously called a mystic, a seer, the man with X-ray eyes, and the last of the sleeping prophets. And I'm also fortunate to call him friend. Douglas James Cottrell, welcome once again, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. It's a pleasure to be back on the show. As you look ahead uh, to this year, 2014, what has you most concerned? Well, it's uh, the demonstration of what's happening in the weather the last little while. Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, 2014 to be somewhat a, uh, a year of ups and downs where, you know, markets are going to be erratic. Uh, we're apprehensive about what's going to happen to the Dow. Uh, we're apprehensive about uh, uh, the political situation with the Chinese, the Japanese, and the Americans sort of duking it out in the Pacific. But most importantly, it's uh, the volcanic activity, and what we're looking for is uh, to be prepared for those times when volcanic ash, uh, you referred to Yosemite and the supervolcano underneath there, I've seen that exploding uh, and ash coming eastward, and I think that's going to happen somewhere in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. It's not a prediction. It's, uh, it's going to happen, but the time frame might be a little fudgy. I'm looking at uh, 2014 to be a year in which a lot of the things that you just mentioned are going to happen. Erratic weather, more storms, uh, more extreme situations happening, more political assassinations. It's a time that's going to be topsy-turvy and more chaotic. And the things that we are comfortable with, things that we thought uh, we can live with, are now going to be uncertain uh, more revelations about uh, Big Brother spying on us is going to come out. We're going to be horrified to find out that we've been supplying um, naively information, you know, putting names of our uh, children and grandchildren on those photos, uh, and they've been collected, and we are helping them with uh, filling in those forms, telling us, telling whoever is in the cloud about ourselves uh, in detail. And it's going to come back to haunt us, so to speak. We're going to see that the people uh, in, a, in authority are feeding on the poor. They so-called get uh, rich by uh, increasing fines, uh, big brothers squeezing us, if you will, at the, at the, uh, uh, at, at the ends of the law. I'm, I was just thinking the other day, uh, reading, I think, on my phone, that uh, my cell phone can track my location. It can track the velocity at which I'm traveling uh, and it can tell if I'm work if I'm talking on the phone and driving at the same time, uh, things that are I guess well known now. But it was a matter to say that more legislation is going to be put forward and more fines are going to be created, so that nickel and diming us to death, that uh, the political machinery is going to collect more and more money. And for whatever I don't know, I listened to your your friend about the Illuminati uh, earlier in the show. And it's a matter that whoever these powerful people are, there is a uh, definite intention to separate us so that the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. And I think the middle class is really going to suffer in 2014. The biggest story, I think, this year is going to be the political topsy-turviness. I had predicted before that there were something like 240 governmental changes about to take place in 2012, 2013. And as we can see the political climate in the world changing, uh, we can see it's becoming more and more selfish and less and less compassionate. Out of this mess, out of this chaos, there's going to be coming uh, someone, some, some mind frame, if you will, that's going to try to get us back to that compassionate side to help one another. 
I think there are going to be more inventions and more um, work towards finding out the small in a small world the uh, the diseases and the uh, bacteria and the viruses. I think we're going to make breakthroughs this year. It's going to be a, a year of extremes in 2014. Overall, I'm feeling optimistic about 2014, but we're going to see more melting of the ice caps, and I think this year is going to be a a year where the earth is going to shake or a wobble is going to happen and it's going to scare the heck out of everybody. But it's just a precursor of what's going to happen, which will lead ultimately in the next couple of years or the next little while. I'm not definite about it yet, but I know it's going to happen where the oceans are going to rock out of their basins and we're going to see some flooding and uh, difficulty around the, the continents of the planet. I've seen Africa shrinking, which means the oceans are going to rise up and the continent will shrink because there's a, a low-lying area around the entire continent. We're going to see more difficulty with uh, the American dollar and the American economy shrinking and becoming, you know, like a third-world country. Not to that extreme, but the point is that the Americans are now losing their power and the Chinese are going to continue flexing their muscles. I had predicted that just before Christmas, and it happened almost within two weeks of the prediction. And we're looking at this situation of China taking over the banking, China taking over the military um, authority or right. They're not going to back down. It's not going to be a situation where uh, we're going to see China stopping or negotiating or coming to some, some peaceful end. Korea is going to go more crazy. I believe there's been a coup attempt in Korea, and that's why all these horror stories are coming out of there, of North Korea. And I think we're going to see more difficulty in the Middle East. With the, and this is kind of like on the back burner, but more, more difficulty with the Iran and Iraqi uh, brotherhood coming together. As much as it might sound, they won't. I think they'll, they're going to have alliances, and they'll be starting to get that petrodollar heated up. These are things that I've seen, and these are our uh, uh, projections uh, and deductions and conclusions I've come to from the visions I've had. And people out there that I've been talking to have themselves been coming up with their own visions or dreams or feelings or intuition. And I'm about to go on the road now. I'm coming to Toronto on uh, January the 18th, and I'm going to be demonstrating how people can learn how to develop their own abilities. I'm going to give demonstrations of the intuitive abilities that I possess, and also I'm going to show people how they can find it if they have the ability, and if they do, how they can develop it so that they can look forward and see themselves. I mean, if you have a feeling and if you have an understanding or intuition or if you're psychic, you can use this to protect yourself from the oncoming changes that are going to happen. All right, we'll take a time out, come back. Douglas James Cottrell, the man with x-ray eyes. Canada's Edgar Casey will also open up the phone lines. And if you have a question about what lies ahead, not for you personally, but just the world at large, the phones are yours. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back. And just a reminder that uh, the new improved richardserrett.com is now back online after a six-week hiatus. So please log on and uh, navigate around the website. Give me your feedback. I'd love to know how you feel about that. Don't forget, once you're on richardserrett.com, subscribe to the newsletter. 
it's um, it doesn't have a name yet. It's just in the uh, the very early stages. But uh, once I get uh, enough subscribers, I'm going to start a weekly uh, newsletter. Would love to hear suggestions for a name. You can uh, send those to me uh, via email. You can contact me through the website richardserrett.com. There's a contact page, and also you can uh, you can uh, contact me at Richard Serrett uh, on Twitter. All right. Uh, the man with X-ray eyes, Douglas James Cottrell, is uh, my guest, and uh, we're getting some startling predictions for 2014. Now, just <clears throat> you mentioned coming to Toronto on January the 18th. That's up and coming. Give us some more details on that for for people interested in in attending. Okay. Well, it's a, it's going to be an intimate evening, uh, or it's actually afternoon. It's uh, January 18th at between two and five. I'm coming to the uh, Holiday Inn downtown Toronto. It's at uh, Carlton and Young, and uh, if people want to know more about it, they can go to the website, douglasjamescottrell.com, or they can call the office at uh, 905-393-5104. I'm going to show people uh, telepathy, telekinesis, uh, clairvoyance. I'm going to give demonstrations of these abilities, spiritual healing, uh, and I don't expect a large group. I expect a small group of people that, you know, that the, the room will hold uh, 100 people or so. So uh, if people think they have ability, I'm going to show them how these abilities can be used and how they can discover them or open them up. This is uh, probably a, a very rare occasion because I don't do this uh, often. Things I've done like this in Spain and uh, Norway uh, and other countries as far as well as Argentina um, I'm kind of doing this in Toronto uh, uh, to people and friends that I haven't seen for a while. But I'm going to show them how these abilities work. I'm going to explain them, and I'm going to see and show them if they have this ability as well. My intention is to teach people how to be intuitive or psychic themselves. I would love to show, I'd love to have many more sleeping prophets uh, like Edgar Casey or Ross Peterson, Paul Solomon, or myself. Uh, develop their abilities. We have the Mini Mansion Spiritual Center in Hamilton for that purpose, too. But we're now going to Toronto on the 18th of January so that people can come and see me in person. I'll be giving them uh, some personal readings or intuitive impressions as well. It's a, it's a wide-open afternoon and should be very, very informative for people coming. If anybody thinks that they have the potential to be another Edgar Casey, or to be someone who can lay hands on and, and cause miracle healing, or if they want to use telekinetic ability, or they want to look through dreams and visions to see the future and develop their clairvoyance, this is the time to come. I encourage everybody to come January the 18th, about 2 o'clock till 5 o'clock in the afternoon at the Holiday Inn. Uh, I'm hoping that there's somebody out there just like me who would would come by and see what I do, uh, learn from me, and find out or discover that they have this ability in it. Just the same way I did when I saw Ross Peterson and Reverend Alec Holmes when Alan Spraggett put such uh, events together, uh, just around the corner, actually, on Young Street at one of the hotels. So it's an exciting afternoon, and it's very reasonably priced. Uh, 25% discount for uh, people who uh, want to uh, buy the ticket in advance. So the idea is to come and, and see me demonstrate these abilities and then to learn how to develop them yourselves or to find out for sure if you have such abilities. That's what this is all about, Richard. All right. Now, when you uh, when we, we began speaking with you earlier about uh, what you, you see coming down the pipe in 2014, uh, I want to just sort of pick up on some of those those points because there was okay, a I lot kind of, of ran all over the place on you there. Sorry, that's about that. all right. That's all right. 
Uh, I mean, is that what it's like? Is it is it when you go into a, a deep trance meditation state? Is it like opening up the floodgates? You just there's a barrage of images and almost too much to handle. Well, it's it's not in a deep trance meditation state like Edgar Casey's trance or or deep clairvoyant, clairvoyant state. The mind is directed, and something startling came out of a reading not too long ago, where somebody was asking. What did we think about this? And the answer was uh, because it always it speaks in the royal we, if you will, or the plural, uh, and that means that the person asking the question, the conductor of the of the session, and myself and whoever were sent, there are a group of minds, if you will, that are are sort of communicating, and that's why it use, thinks you use plural. But the answer to tell us what you think about something, the answer was we don't think, we observe. And that was startling. Mm. I've done this for uh, 40 years now, since 1974 or 5 when I started, up until now in 2014. And never ever has that statement been made before. But it's so appropriate because the intuitive mind, and this is what I'm going to talk about on January the 18th, it doesn't think. If you're making a deduction, if you're coming to a conclusion, or if you're reasoning something out, you're in the intellectual, rational mind. You're not in your intuitive mind. And this is one of the secrets that I've been teaching people now for a while, to tell me what they see. So when I do a deep trance reading, I'm directed to things, and then I observe and report back. However, when you develop this ability to do deep trance meditation, you become wide awake psychic, if you will, open-eyed meditation, open-eyed psychic ability, intuitive ability. And that's when telepathy and clairvoyance and visions, this is when it's like a uh, a machine gun effect where you, you can have visions dropping and jumping in your mind all the time. And also in learning to do this, there needs to be some protection techniques so that it doesn't become an overwhelming barrage of information but it is like that, Richard. I, I don't like to hear stories anymore when I hear the news about some child missing. Right. There was a little boy, uh, and I think it was in Toronto, missing, and he was down by the river. I immediately saw him laying down without his jacket on, and I just, my heart breaks now. So I don't like to see or hear stories about children abusive or, or, or in difficulty. Although if clients ask me where things are, where, where they can find their their loved ones, I'm I'm able to do that, but I try to stay away now. It just hurts too much, and so it's kind of like looking at all kinds of movies on one hand, where you can look at movies, you can see terrible things happening, but you're still, you know, in an objective way, emotionally distant from it. It's when uh, you get caught up in in the trauma or the compassion of the moment. That's the hard part. But again, with training and with uh, uh, understanding of what's going on, you can survive. <laughs> the uh, the images and whatever but you're right it's a it's a good question it's a, it's a barrage of information and i've trained myself to respond more to people asking me a question rather than just opening my mind up and and letting you know stuff jump in my head you mentioned uh, that the the soul mind you've described it as uh, to me earlier the soul mind that you're accessing or that is speaking during this dmt this deep that, that's right. trans meditation uses the term we don't see or we don't think we observe so what does the soul mind then that you've connected with uh, observe regarding the global economy specifically let's say in the first couple of quarters of this year we are being 
toll. Talk about a barrage, a barrage of information from the mainstream media, this data that I think is cooked and faked, telling us that, that the global economy is on the mend. Uh, they, they, uh, they tell us that uh, you know, GDP is going up. But uh, I, I, I firmly believe that's a result of the $85 billion or now $75 billion a month the U.S. Uh, Fed is pumping into the economy, into the, into the stock market. It's causing an inflation in, in assets like the stock market and bonds and so forth. Well, but I, I'm but, on the record for saying that uh, the, uh, the, the market is like standing on a trap door and it's just going to open up and it's going to go down. There was that slash crash that happened soon after I made that prediction. And sometimes the timing in the predictions is off, but the event is usually pretty clear. Uh, the point is that could have been what it was referring to at that moment in time, but I don't think so. I think it's now coming up with really bad stuff is going to happen in the U.S. politically. I mean, we should uh, be prepared for political assassination possibilities. Uh, we're looking at uh, the economy in the U.S. is now strained so much so that uh, I have predicted on your show in the past and, and other places that we're, into, we're going to be into a hyperstate of inflation, whether that kicks in, you know, in the next few months, like weeks or months, or it takes a little longer, because this is going to be a fairly good year for business or for good things to happen for people that have, str- have been struggling. Uh, it's like the relief is now here and their businesses are going to go. I'm talking about ordinary businesses, not, not the uh, mega businesses, which are are, are manipulated, and um, you know the price of gold has been held down. It bounced off a crucial level just a couple of weeks ago, and I think that it's probably going to now go up. The price of gold, or, or gold being strong, because of all these inflationary issues, but also because. This is an artificial situation for the market. There's no reason for it to continue to go higher. Do you see a correction, and in, 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 on what order? Are we talking 20 percent? Are we talking 50 percent? Are we seeing the destruction of wealth across the board here? Well, I've, I've predicted, uh, and, I'm, and I'm on the air saying this, that there, there's going to be something like a 2,000-point drop. I don't feel 100 percent behind that, but I have said it. And so it's uh, it's going to be uh, when it happens. It'll be a sustained thing. It might take a few weeks to to come to that, but it'll be a sustained downturn. Downturn. And so uh, I'm I'm looking at this year as being a, a, a crazy pivotal year, leading into 2015. So it's the next 24 months, if you will, of uh, of be on guard. Look at, look at the gold stocks. I think they're going to be strong this year where they've been beat up and they've been manipulated. Uh, and I think terrorists and other people have learned how to affect the markets by scaring the heck out of the markets or physically damaging them so they can make a lot of money real fast, you know, vis-a-vis uh, 9-11 when all, all those puts were put on the airline industries early in the morning before the attack on the towers took place. This is now subsiding uh, because the uh, retaliatory situation and all this I hate to say it, but all the surveillance that is going on is now curtailing uh, that mischief, if I can call it that. But the, the point being is that the markets are now artificial, and I just can't believe, I can't see, I, I, in, intuitively, I can't see them being sustained or supported. Do you have a, 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 an idea? Have you, have you had a vision in terms of the price of gold? Are we, you know, 1600 2000 I predicted before 2400 and I think that we're going to see a bounce back to easily $1,800, easily. In 2014? 
in in the next yeah next ten to twelve months uh, maybe maybe a little bit longer but yeah in twenty fourteen we'll see a sustained uh, bullish move for gold. What about the uh, the the European Union? Do you see that holding together through twenty fourteen, or will we see the beginning of the end? Let's say an exit from one of the, uh, the Club Med members, whether it's uh, uh, Greece or Italy or Portugal. Well. Uh, interestingly, before the uh, the mess in Spain happened, I had an eight-page article in the Antar magazine forecasting that there would be riots in the street, that there would be political chaos, and there would be problems with the banks. People dismissed that, but it's still out there, and it was still published. It was about to, in, uh, in, in 2011, uh, maybe the end of, of 2010. I can't quite remember the date. might have been April of 2011. In any event... Um, what I've seen before is another crisis coming in the banks. However, I have, t- I have friends in Spain, and they're telling me things are still in a crisis. There is huge unemployment. Twenty-five percent of the people are out of out of work. Uh, several people or clients I know are in great difficulty. But there seems to be a holding together. There seems to be a confidence building. Uh, I think that's going to spill over with with all of the. Uh, uh, European Council, uh, or Union rather, and I think it's going to hold. But still, um, there's there's some. I still feel a little intrepidation, not much, but some intrepidation that the banks are still in trouble, and Spain will be the key. If if Spain can recover, then it's going to pull up everybody else. But I, I don't feel really bad about it, but I don't feel really good about it as well. But I think there is someone out there that's pulling all quietly behind the scenes they're like and the image i have is they're stitching a blanket together uh, or or a piece of rawhide more exactly they're stitching it together that's the image i have in my mind right now that they're they're trying to keep things together and i think they're going to pull it off this year geopolitically you mentioned the mid-east obviously that's always a concern a a tinderbox it seems ready to blow at any moment sometimes but uh then you mentioned also there is tension uh in in uh, between China and uh, Japan, uh, North Korea is always, <laughs> always a wild card. Uh, what, um, what specifically has you the most concerned geopolitically? If, if, they, if it was one area you had to choose, where there's a likelihood of some sort of geopolitical turbulence or even a war, what would it be? It would be Turkey. Turkey. Interesting. It would be look, keep an eye on Turkey uh, because what's going on in Turkey will affect. The, the tinderbox, uh, the uh, Chinese uh, uh, and the Japanese and American sort of duking it out. Japan is basically on its knees. There's no way Japan is going to uh, survive what's going on with this uh, nuclear power problem or disaster. Uh, and it's it, the problems in the Pacific Ocean uh, with the radiation, it, they're enormous. Uh, they're being they're being quietly subdued. I guess the information, but Japan's on its knees right now economically, and that's why China's making a move, and America's putting up a uh, vain, um, you know, sort of just a vain front to try to hold them back. But the reality is that China's just going to move westward, and it's going to look for the oil. And China, when you see that there's they've changed from the U.S. dollar. Uh, the petrodollar is out the window, and now more and more gold is going to be the medium. You're going to see the Chinese go into the tinderbox area, and that's when I think 
disaster is going to strike. Uh, just uh, hold on for uh, a moment. We'll take a time out, come back, and uh, just uh, a short segment on the other side. I want to get into a little more detail about what's happening in Turkey and how you see that playing out, uh, and also, time permitting, uh, what uh, has you feeling most positive about 2014 in terms of uh, visions that you've had, uh, whether it's uh, technological uh, innovations that, that might be on, uh, on their way in terms of medicine or free energy? We'll get into all of that with Douglas James Cotterell here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back. Douglas James Cottrell is with us. Uh, the man with X-ray eyes, Canada's Edgar Casey, coming to Toronto January 18th. And uh, right now we're talking about some of his startling predictions for 2014. I just wanted to go back to Turkey, uh, Douglas. And, uh, you know, for people not necessarily following what's going on there, you've got the increasingly autocratic rule of their Prime Minister, Erdogan, uh, who's also in the midst of, you know, one of the... the uh, the, uh, the biggest corruption scandals in, in, in Turkish history, uh, uh, people in his um, inner circle being accused of taking you know, bribes of tens of millions of dollars uh, to ignore uh, billions of dollars uh, of uh, dodgy uh, dealings. Uh, so what do you think is going to come out of this uh, in, in Turkey? I mean, you've got the prime minister locking up uh, journalists and, and um, you know, amidst all of this corruption and, and, and so forth. What, what, are you, what is your main concern about Turkey? Well, my main concern is that uh, they're running amok and they're going to have a nuclear accident or there's going to be some sort of uh, atomic explosion. Something like that's going to happen. I haven't seen it clearly, but it's like Turkey is the key. When that happens, then we're going to see, uh, you know, dirty bomb uh, situations, possibilities. Uh, I think that uh, the... The politicians aren't saying too much about this, but they are, from my impressions and my intuition and, and the information I have, they're all very concerned about dirty bombs. These are little suitcase bombs that they can take and blow up. And I think there's either going to be an accident or a willful act uh, uh, to use one, and it's going to start in Turkey. This will spill over in, into a possibility of uh, the conflict between uh, Israel and the other uh, countries that are sort of bothering them, if I can put it in a mild way. Uh, it, Israel is very, very concerned about uh, Iraq and Iran uh, coming together, uniting. And if that happens, I saw it like two pieces, two hearts coming together a long time ago. And when that happens, there'll be a rising up and a possible uh, attack against Israel. But the, that's a secondary way. The primary way is in Turkey. All this corruption is going on. You're seeing people, I can see faces, they are demonic looking so i'm looking out of my mind right now They're, these don't these people don't care about their own people and i think there's going to be some retaliation or an accident that's going to happen in turkey that's going to start this whole process and that's going to lead into uh, i've said this before underground uh, uh chambers exploding or firestorms under the earth which may cause again more difficulties for the uh uh, you know, oil-rich areas or, or countries because these caverns that are half empty or because of the uh, the gaseous substance, there's going to be some sub uh, subterranean difficulties that nobody's really paying attention to. But this is the huge danger that if there is nuclear activity or atomic bomb or, or dirty bombs, that this is going to uh, start a firestorm under the surface, which will be just disastrous as you can imagine so i'm look i'm 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 seeing this as i'm talking to you and, and i'm telling you that the problem in turkey is some sort of explosion will happen and that'll be uh one of the keys to the uh 
the possibility of a tinderbox igniting. And China is doing everything it possibly can to move the world into uh, a gold standard. I've predicted that years ago. I've said it on your shows many times. This is the way out is to get to a gold standard where all the countries are basically held up to be honest with the amount of gold they have will be uh, their currency will be backed up by gold sounds this like you're where, saying that the United States uh, dollar will lose its status as a reserve currency this year that I saw that I saw the American dollar like a dollar that you would pull out of your pants that you've just put through the washing machine that's how bad it's going to be beat up. Okay, let me ask you very quickly here. Uh, we, we're just a few weeks away from the Sochi 2014 Olympics uh, in, in Russia. Um, do you see any, any problems there, or is it going to go off smoothly, uh, or are there going to be terrorist uh, attacks? I just see people fighting. <laughs> I see people, uh, I see crowds of people fighting. So uh, I would take the, you know, I just jumped in my head. I'm, I'm chuckling because... It's like there's this, there's this, you know, one gang against another. So I think there's going to be some, some in the background mafiosa kind of stuff, but people fighting. But the playing field looks all lit up, and it seems to be okay. So off to the side or behind the scenes, there's going to be some wrangling or fighting. It's going to be vicious. And I wanted to add, you asked me about the positive things I'm seeing this year. Uh, there's going to be discoveries on uh, leukemia or blood disorders. Uh, there will be a lot of interest in blood and how to keep the blood ha- uh, better, uh, healthier. Uh, oxygen therapy for blood. Uh, there's uh, vitamin C in the blood stuff going on now. But there's going to be some major discoveries probably coming out of Spain or Europe, uh, like someplace overseas, but it'll be something, maybe even Swiss, it'll be something about uh, blood disorders and remedies for blood. That's uh, that's going to happen this year for sure. All right, Douglas. Well, listen, uh, appreciate your insights as always. And uh, again, January 18th in Toronto. Uh, people can go to your what your website, douglasjamescottrell.com. Uh, I've linked up to that on my website. If they go to the bottom, they'll find your banner ad there at richardserrett.com. Click, click on that. They'll get on all the information. And uh, as always, appreciate your uh, your insights. Well, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. We've been doing this for lots of years. I checked your website out tonight. It looks drop-dead gorgeous. So uh, more power to you on that one, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having me on, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you, Douglas. Okay. Good night. We are just moments away from another installment of our new feature, a regular feature, State Secrets, with media scientist Nelson Thal. Stay tuned for that. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it! You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with fingers crossed everybody knows the war is over everybody knows the 
guy's lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died All right, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show, and it is that time. A new installment on the program that uh, airs every two weeks with our resident media scientist, assassination researcher, Nelson Thal. Nelson, welcome once again for Thanks. State Secrets, my friend. How are you? Great being back here, Richard. We were knocked off on December 22nd because of weather. That's right. Major ice storm. And um, yes, so we dipped into the archives and played a uh, uh, an earlier program. So we're back again once uh, once again. Yeah, checking in on state secrets. And of course, the purpose here is just to review and make sure we put on the records events that go on that uh, the media, the mass media and the ruling elite don't want to cover. I guess we should mention also it's after midnight. The owners of the system have gone to sleep and we can come out now and play and uh, talk about these things that otherwise we cannot discuss. All right. And of course, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. For those who are first-time listeners, JFK's Secret Society speech, Marshall McLuhan telling us about how the arts and sciences are in the pockets of the secret societies, and of course, Jim Garrison, Penn Jones, May Brussel, and Sherman Skolnick are all part of that group of people who we stand on their shoulders, and we never use our own private opinions here. We always um, are uh, objectively uh, mostly uh, reporting uh, observations made by people who are backstage in the global theater behind behind the curtain who um, retire – Often a lot of our sources are, are, are military people who retire and um, they like talking to us because um, these nefarious operations that they've been involved in, as you know, Richard, are, are, are weighing on their consciences and they, they, they need to talk about it with somebody who – and we are the type of people who are a good listening uh, board because people who are behind the scenes, whistleblowers, retired, who talk to us know that they're going to get a fair hearing and they're not going to be told that they're crazy, that we're familiar with the advanced physical principle weaponry out there, that many of the nations of the major nations of the world within the inventory of their arsenals of weather modification and uh, and and all sorts of electronic devices for, as we talked about uh, on one of our shows last year, we talked about the patents yes. and we use the patents on uh, on new technologies that allows you to bypass the ear and put the voices into people's heads. So those are our sources and we have some interesting sources to talk about All right. Tonight. Let's dive in. What do we have to Well, we've got two items really mostly we can talk about. There. Uh, first of all, I've put the uh, a number of the links uh, up at uh, my Twitter site, Nelson underscore uh, Nelson uh, S. Thal. T H A L L. So again, that the uh, give give us it's that. It's at Twitter, and it's Nelson, middle initial S is in the Sam, Thal. T H A L L. All right. So people can go there and check out our sources and check out these the uh, these stories. 
Um, the first story is the Mandela funeral, uh, which I wanted to go through because there was some interesting uh, uh, facts that had surfaced at the time that uh, we didn't. We were going to talk about it last show, but we got knocked off because of weather. And since then, there's been a lot more uh, developing. And uh, item number two is we want to get into the John Benet Ramsey murder and the connection to the 9-11 attacks. Wow, going, that's going back a spell. All right, so the, the Nelson Mandela uh, uh, funeral, the state funeral. Yeah, let's go through a couple of the interesting facts, and that is that you recall that it was a gathering of the world. The whole world gathered, and whenever the world gathers like that, we know that the leaders can do business and keep the business hidden from the public. Because when the world gets together and the leaders of the world get together, um, if they were get together for the purposes of doing some business – Like a G20 summit or something. Yeah, everybody now wants to know, well, what are they planning? What's being signed? Because uh, you know, what, what new plans are they hatching? At a funeral – no one's going to ask those questions. Everybody figures it's just business as usual. It's all casual, off the record kind of stuff. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, what was interesting is that at the funeral, um, there was a interpreter who were told just happened to have been chosen, happened to be a fake interpreter, and got under the radar of their security, and is now not actually using real. The sign language. sign language. It was just the equivalent of gibberish. I mean, it, it made no sense to anybody. It, they claimed it made no sense. Exactly. Now, one thing we know is that is a lie. There's no way with the screening process, when the world leaders get together, that an interpreter comes in under the radar and starts and does anything that isn't pre-planned, pre-programmed, pre-choreographed. So right off the bat, why did they lie about the fake interpreter and and being able to get on stage with the most powerful people in the world? And he's a murderer. It turned out afterwards that he's he's he he was convicted and went to jail for murder. So no screening done. They want us to believe that this man who was a murderer was never screened by the Secret Service, by the Interpol, etc. So right off the bat, we're, we know uh, a lie. They're lying once again. Why did they lie about it? Now, interviews done by the BBC, and I contacted uh, one of the um, uh, interpreters that the BBC used to talk about this fake interpretation. Right. And um, – she claimed that there was a uh, – even though it was gibberish, there was repeated gibberish. Now, of course, Richard, we know that these events are used to trigger sleepers in the field. That's how sleeper they – Sleeper agents. Sleeper agents in the field are triggered by events like a so-called fake interpreter. When you take a look at – and I've been examining – and it's a very sophisticated, complex group of signs. But when you start to look at it, you'll realize that this is not just gibberish of a madman. And you look at the man, the interpreter himself, he was definitely under the influence of a mind control and not um, 
certainly choreographing his moves very carefully. What 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 leads you to believe that this individual was under the control of mind control? First of all, the interpreter, the the analysts that that I spoke to, claimed that um, the number of times he blinked per minute was he was looking like a deer in headlights, and he was not blinking or looking around in the normal fashion. All right. So his visual uh, appearance of his face, his face and the blinking rate was totally what you would see from a mind control person. All right. So they used – they seized whoever they are, uh, seized upon this opportunity, a state funeral, uh, to insert this phony, this bogus interpreter, a mind controlled interpreter who's being used to to send signals to sleeper agents. Exactly. Now, we know from the past, 9-11 and other many, many false flag events, that in order to set them off, they have to do it in such a way that there's no visible connection between the planners of the operation and those sleepers in the field. And one of the great ways to do it, I mean, um, uh, a number of 9-11 researchers claim that Bill Clinton going on the Letterman show with a pink tie – and you remember that we did a whole story on the pink tie that he was wearing – was one way in which they triggered a number of sleeper operations, especially the WACO – the Waco <laughs> – Waco. Yeah, it was Waco. The Waco, Texas uh, debacle. But uh, it, it, the experts and – in the field that we talked to believe that this was a um, means of triggering an operation, a false flag operation. Of course, we have to keep an eye on what it actually is that they were doing. But it's interesting. Bible scholars have reported that in Psalm 83, uh, it's noted that the tense of they they have consulted together. If you look at Psalm 83, verse 5, for they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. Now, against you means, as Bible and uh, scholars know, it means the house of Israel and the house of Judah combined. Uh, they form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites. You can re- read the group. And it says Assyria also has joined with them, which is Germany. Assyria now, is modern-day Germany. Right. So well, how do you, again, make that connection for people who may not – Bible scholars know that that's a – Assyria is the ancient – is ancient is Germany of the past. OK. OK. Um, uh, there's a lot of prerequisites to state secret news that we we're just going to have to let people go and do their All right. their research on that. But uh, that's a, a, a prerequisite for un- – but the thing is I wanted to get to is this, that it's interesting that that um, who did not attend the, the, Mandela, the Mandela funeral? Netanyahu did not attend. Uh, the queen did not attend. She sent her representative. The queen did not attend. Other monarchs did attend. And it's interesting um, – Angela Merkel was in a car accident on the same day. Now, you know, these events are all connected and um, it's important to keep them in in mind and make a note of them because in years to, down the road, 
if it does turn out that, well, yes, Germany has signed an agreement. By the way, I think what, what I wanted to mention right away is Mandela actually was died in June 11th, and his body was kept on ice until... I've, I've heard these reports, but I mean, where are they coming from and how, I mean, how uh, credible are they? Well, these are credible reports that, that his body was – these are from insiders within the intelligence community. As a matter of fact, one is directly from a, a, a source that we've had on the air years ago and that is uh, uh, Michael Shrimpton who is a lawyer for MI6 and MI5. So he's contending that, that Nelson Mandela died in back in June. Back in June and so the question is – did they keep his body on ice for the purpose of getting many of these nations on board for an attack on the Middle East, a war in the Middle East, and use then the funeral as the cover for getting all the leaders together and actually signing the accord uh, to go ahead with this operation. So we've got to watch for will there be an escalation shortly in the Middle East? And was the interpreter, the fake interpreter, sending codes that we can see within the codes the evidence of launching of warfare? And it's – according to one of the interpreters from the BBC, uh, they found that – absolutely they found evidence within the codes that there was war being discussed and triggering of war. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I wish we had time for the uh, the John Bonet Ramsey 9-11. Maybe we can leave that till uh, next time. Uh, Nelson, always a pleasure. Thank you. State Secrets airs on The Conspiracy Show every second week. Pleasure. Thanks, Rich. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. My thanks to uh, Tim Spreen for technical production. Uh, back next week, part two of our look at the Harbingers with Jonathan Kahn. He'll be with us, as well as our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, with another fascinating paranormal case from the field. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known, which you hear in the dark speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.